in somebody's stuff. But uh, I am thrilled that we are here together. I'm sorry, Marsha's not here, but um, she we, we actually drove down uh, Friday uh, late, and uh, yesterday she was able to be with her brother in ICU, and then today she's up there till we have to leave because I've got to be in Springfield, uh, Missouri, by tonight. Um, where I have meetings starting tomorrow. Yay. <laughs> uh, we love coming to New Orleans. We love coming to the West Bank. I really feel that God is very strategic in the things that he does. And I, very believe, I, I firmly believe that God is preparing a move of his spirit in this region of the world. And the church has to be ready for that. The church has to be prepared for what God is going to do. That's why God, whenever, uh, that's why Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go in Jerusalem and wait there until you receive my Holy Spirit. Because he had already given him the purpose and plan that they had for their lives. And that was, you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and literally to the othermost parts of the world. But by the way, you've got to be prepared to be able to do that. God wants to prepare you for what he is getting ready to do. Pastor Robert mentioned that I work with a ministry called Convoy of Hope. And just since last year, Convoy of Hope has brought in just to Louisiana alone almost 600 tractor-trailer loads full of goods and services toward those who have been, uh, have been affected by the hurricanes, affected by COVID. If you remember last year, Lake Charles was hit twice with uh, two major hurricanes. Then they were hit with a flood, and then they were hit with that Arctic blast. That I mean, so many in that area lost uh, power, not only lost power, but had waterfalls in their homes because all the pipes froze and just burst. I mean, you know, South Louisiana is not prepared for zero-degree weather. Our pipes and our attics are just not prepared for that. And uh, they had that happen, so we brought in hundreds of tractor-trailer loads there. Right now, we're still bringing in tractor-trailer loads into South Louisiana because Hurricane Ida did a major, major uh, impact in this area and all the way down into the depths of the bayou. And uh, we believe God's going to use this to bring revival to this community. Now, you think about it, every tractor-trailer load has close to $72,000 worth of goods in them. You add all that up by over 500 times, and God has allowed the body of Christ to distribute over mi well over several million dollars worth of goods just right here in South Louisiana. That doesn't include what we're doing in the forest fires that are taking place out in California and the tractor-trailer loads we're sending out there. That doesn't include what we're doing up on the East Coast where Hurricane Ida uh, and the remnants began to just dump tons of water. That doesn't include a little community not too far from where I live in Nashville, Tennessee called Waverly, Tennessee. That, that community where they're uh, mountains on both sides and there was a storm system that just stopped there 
and 18 inches of rain, a state record fell in less than 12 hours. Guys, I remember Hurricane Katrina. I remember uh, Pastor Kathy and Pastor Robert, they took us over on the east bank where the levee had broke, and that water came bursting through that area and literally just knocked holes in homes. That's exactly what Waverly looked like. Homes just literally wiped out. A man said within five minutes, the water went from ankle deep to chest high deep in five minutes, and within 20 minutes, he was swept into a tree, and his wife had to climb into the attic of their home and chop her way out. Now, we know that from hurricanes, but thinking about that in a little community of 4,000 people, 2,000 of those people were affected. So basically, that entire community was affected. But God came along, and we brought in tractor-trailer loads there to uh, the churches, and they began to minister to the people. And the mayor actually asked the pastor, saying, how are you getting all this stuff? What we need, you get. Folks, that's the body of Christ at work. That's the body of Christ working together for the work of the kingdom of God. Pastor Robert is going to be challenging you later on this year in a one day to feed the world. You see, convoy is simply a conduit. Working with the church and working with the church. Because we don't go out and solicit and get uh, people out there to come and help us uh, supply things. We work with the church and the church. That's the reason you set up right out here uh, after Hurricane Ida. Because we were able to supply a tractor-trailer load here, and you were able to serve and minister to your community. So we do that all over the world. We're right now working um, in many countries feeding children. Right now we're feeding 387,000 children every school day. But more importantly, we're sharing Jesus Christ with them. Almost 80% of all of the children that have in our feeding program have now accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Folks, that's what it's about. Bringing Jesus in tangible ways to people and seeing their lives change. Within Scripture, there is a word that is used, the psalmist used it several times. And the word was, revive me, O Lord. Matter of fact, it was used in the singular and the plural, revive me and revive us. So if you're taking notes, put it at the top, revive me, Lord. Revive me, Lord. What is he talking about? Is he saying, okay, Lord, I want to have a new understanding of how to do business? No, not at all. A new understanding of how to do family? No, not at all. He was saying, Lord, I need to have a new Fluid relationship with you, and I have to be revived. I look at the Western world, Western culture, the European culture, the American culture, the Canadian culture, and that's what we would really re refer to as the Western culture. Today, our Western culture has become simply what we used to refer to Africa as the dark continent. The dark continent because the gospel of Jesus Christ had not been fully shared there and so many on the African continent were away from God. Today, Africa is experiencing one of the most powerful moves of God that the world has ever seen. 
There are certain parts of Africa right now that are having more people come to Christ on a daily basis than are actually being born physically. Folks, that's a miracle. We're seeing a move of God in what we call the 1040 window. If you have been in Christianity very long, back during the 90s, there was a major emphasis on praying on the 1040 window because the bulk of the world's population lived there, but the bulk of the world's population that lived there did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, within that 1040 window, nine out of the 10 fastest growing countries in Christianity are in the 1040 window, including Iran. Even though there's not a physical church in Iran, there are more people coming to Christ in Iran today, which is making it one of the top three fastest growing nations in the world for Jesus Christ. Now, they're persecuted. They're facing a lot of issues where they could lose their lives on any given day for their walk in Christ. How many of you remember whenever, some of you may remember this because of your age, Remember whenever we were Saints fans and we had to wear bags over our heads? <laughs> yeah, we didn't want to know anybody that we were rooting for them. Today, it feels like that our culture is trying to say to the Christian, put a bag over your head. Keep your... And they use the word religion. Folks, I'm not religious. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is about my family. How many of you ever brag on your family? Anybody here ever brag on your family? Just let your, chi- just let your grandchild or child do something good in school. You're going to talk about it for the next three months. Yeah. Folks, I want to brag on Jesus. I want to brag on my family about what the family of God is doing in life. I don't want to walk around with a bag over my head incognito going, I really don't want no people to know that I'm a Christian. Jesus said, so let your light shine. He said, if you will confess me in this world, I will confess you before my Father. What is hindering a move of the Spirit of God in America and the Western world? I believe the lack of prayer. Prayerlessness. May I brag on you for a moment? Thank God you have an altar and a place that people can come and pray. The numbers of times that I have listened to Marcia's, she's called Kathy, and Kathy said, Kathy says, I'm on my way to church for our prayer time. Or she's talked to her sister Paula in Nebraska. I'm on my way to church for our time of prayer. Thank God you have a church here that is willing to open itself up to have a community of people that are willing to pray. When God led Marsha and I to go to Lafayette, Louisiana, to take over for a pastor that had pastored within that church for over 40 years. He started the church 42 years before. They asked us to come in for a... Uh, transition and a succession uh, time where we would become the pastors. They would step down, and, and at that time, we didn't know what, what it was going to look like, but honestly, he became 
on my pastoral staff for the next 10 years after he stepped down. But that church had had a 6 o'clock prayer meeting every morning for 42 years. And I had some individuals uh, stop me one day knowing that I was going to become the uh, senior pastor, uh, the lead pastor, whatever terminology we have today. And they said, are you going to stop that insanity of a 6 o'clock prayer meeting? And I looked at them and I said, do I, well, I didn't want, I know what the answer was. They said, do I look like an idiot? And I knew they were saying yes, but I mean, uh, but I said, no, I'm not going to do that. Do you realize the fire of that church is birthed every morning at that six o'clock prayer time? You see, the fire of this church will be birthed out of prayer. The fire that is going to bring a revival to the West Bank must be birthed out of prayer. There's only one time that I see Jesus really ticked off. Now, I know some of you don't think Jesus ever got ticked off. But Jesus did get ticked off. He didn't sin, but he got ticked off. Matter of fact, it was a premeditated ticked off. Some of you have gone to court before, and there's a difference between, you know, oops, I made a mistake, and you premeditatedly did it. That means you planned it out. That means you put things in the process that it was going to happen. Well, guess what? The day before, Jesus had gone into the temple. He literally had surveyed. You study scripture. He had literally surveyed everything going on in the temple. The next day, he arrives, and he has a whip in his hand. And not only does he have a whip, but he... in the righteous anger of God literally begins to go through the temple, turning over the tables, turn, chasing people out of the temple that were actually causing such a horrendous dishonor to God's house. Is that me? Move back over here. I'm percolating coffee. Anybody remember the old percolators? <laughs> And when Jesus said all that, and when Jesus had done all that, I mean, people began to ask Jesus the question, why in the world did you do such a thing? And Jesus said these words, is it not written within the word of God, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. Today, we no longer have the temple. I'm hoping one day to be able to go to Israel. Never been there. I was hoping to go in January, uh, but now because of some situations, we're not able to go. But I was. But if you go to Israel, you're not going to find the temple on the Temple Mountain any longer. You'll find the wall, the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall, the place where people consider in Israel one of the most holiest places to go to pray. People take pieces of paper and put them in the cracks there as they're praying. But you're not going to find a temple there. But Paul said these words. He said, but we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Are you following me? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means we are the house of prayer. My first question to us, is there something Jesus needs to chase out of our lives? Is there something Jesus needs to deal with us in our lives? Jesus said these words, when the Holy Spirit comes, 
He is going to convict you of sin. He is going to convict you of righteousness. And He is going to convict you of the judgment to come. I believe every day the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction to our lives. Not for us to feel bad, but for us to stay right. (laughs) And folks, if we are doing things that are sinful, we need that conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if we're doing things in in our lives that are hindering us in our walk with the Lord, they're not sinful, but they're hindering us then we need to be willing for the Holy Spirit to go, okay, um, that's hindering your walk. You know, there are things that happen in my marriage with Marsha that are not unfaithfulness. They're not wrong. Other Other couples may do them, but yet it's something that for us, it hinders our marriage. And so we don't do it. We don't allow that within our lives. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy playing golf. But I know that if I played golf every day, first of all, it would really hinder my job. <laughs> Secondly, before long, Marsha would feel like I'm giving more to the golf than I'm giving to her. And so I don't give five days a week to go play 18 holes of golf. I may give one. Some weeks, not even one. Because I want my relationship with Marcia to be more important to me than my relationship to a hobby. God wants our relationship to be more important with Him than any other thing in our lives. That's the reason he says, I convict you of what helps keep you and me right. And if God ever sees things coming between us and him, he brings the conviction of his Holy Spirit. I've talked to individuals, and I said, listen, you need to take, and I, I didn't give a minute or hour list, I would say you need to take time daily to read your Bible and to pray. And to get along with God and find out what God is saying. It's amazing to me how many individuals will go, I just don't have time for that. Well, what they're saying, I don't have time to build on my relationship with God. So the question is, how can God bring a move of His Spirit if we don't have time for Him? Listen to what it says in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. I'm reading from the, New, Living, uh, from the um, New King James. It says, be anxious for nothing. Anybody in here ever live in anxiety? Yep, all of us. I mean, something, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a child issue, whether it's a spouse issue, whether it's a job issue, whether it's an issue of some other magnitude, we live with a certain level of anxiety. But now Paul is writing and said, okay, guys, Be anxious for nothing. Now, how do we do that? If I say to you, hey, just stop being anxious, you're going to look at me and go, would you mind giving me a few keys of how I do that? And Paul does exactly that. He says, 
But in everything, by in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, here's the altar. Bring your prayer request here and leave them there. Now, I say, here's the altar. Make an altar in your home. Make an altar in your car. Make an altar. I mean, your, your altar is not something that's physical. Your altar is a place where you're saying, I'm crying out to you, God. I'm crying out to you, Lord, for an answer to my prayer. He says, and make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Would you allow me to read that same scripture from the Amplified Bible? And it says these words. It starts off with, the Lord is near. I love that part. The Lord is near. <laughs> How many of you thank God that God's not somewhere out there in the Pleiades and you're going, where's God? I lost God. <laughs> no, you didn't. It says, the Lord is near. It says, do not be anxious or worried about anything but in everything. Every circumstance and every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, continue to make your specific requests known to God. You know, God is not worried about your specific requests. Now, I know many times we, we, we bow down and we give God a very generic. Hey, God, would you take care of my needs? That's a generic prayer. Hey, God, I'm going to stop. Here are my bills. Lord, there's a lot more bill than there is month of the money. <laughs> I really need you to step in. Lord, I, I have had some unforeseen medical bills. Insurance didn't cover it all. God, I'm telling you right now, I need an extra $1,000 to take care of my doctor. Lord, you, you see that my car is, it, it, we've already passed the last leg. It, it's, it's, it's on life support. Anybody ever had a life support car? Good gracious. You're just going, Lord, just let me get to the grocery store and back. And you go, Father, I'm not asking for you to give me a brand new Lexus. I'm just asking you to either cause this car to have new life. Or would you somehow bring a reliable vehicle for me to be able to drive? Being very specific with God. And it says, "Request make your specific request known to God. And the peace of God that passes which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. You don't have to look to somebody and say, oh, look, there's some spiritual giant out there. No, the peace of God is yours. But we have to go to the Lord in prayer and seeking the heart of God. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1 it says, Now and it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said to him, The hymn is Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Do you know Jesus wants to teach us how to communicate with the Father? Many times we, we talk about the Our Father prayer. If you really take time and just break down that prayer into a, an outline, I promise you, you can be there for an hour or longer just praying through that outline. Taking time to understand who our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Who is God? God is our provider. God is our peace. God is our restorer. God is our healer. 
God is our protector. Man, by the time you get finished that, you're going, wow, look what God is for my life. Prayer literally is to interact with the Lord by switching our human wishes, our ideas, for His will. Anybody in here got some wishes and ideas? How do you know God has a will for your life? God wants to switch your wishes and your ideas to His will. How many of you know God's will is far greater than our wills? But when we get, to get along with God and we begin to pray, we begin to see God begins to change our wishes and ideas to His wishes and His will and His purpose for our lives. Prayer is used grammatically as a progressive present infinitive which refers to us as a continual repeated, repeated action. That's the reason Paul said, pray always. In other words, our prayer life is so in touch with God that at any moment, wherever we are, whatever's happening, we immediately can go to the Lord in prayer. It doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be boisterous. But it has to be because we're in that relationship with God. Just the other, uh, about several weeks ago, uh, we know our neighbors on either side of us and across the street, but behind us and a little bit uh, to the left, it's across a little creek. Um, we've really not met those neighbors. And Marsha was out doing something in the yard, and there was a neighbor, that, that neighbor of that house came up and said, Oh, have you seen our little dog? It got out and it's been missing. How many of you know sometimes you can just be really weird to the world? And Marcia looked and said, no, I haven't, but let's pray. The lady went, here, now? And Marcia said, yeah, do you mind? So Marcia grabbed her hand and she's like, Marcia prayed. She said, Lord, you specialize in finding lost things. You found the lost coin. You found the lost sheep. You found the lost prodigal. Find this dog. We heard commotion near the house later on that afternoon, and Marcia stepped out, and they were all excited, and so she walked over to see what was going on. And the lady came over. She said, oh. And she turned to everybody around there. This is the lady that prayed our dog in. <laughs> Matter of fact, they have, we live in a little community called White House, Tennessee, which is north of Nashville. And they have what's called Hip White House uh, as a Facebook page. This lady had gone on uh, the Hip White House Facebook page and said, I love the people of White House. Matter of fact, my neighbor, when our dog was lost, she stopped and prayed and God found our dog. You say, well, that's ridiculous. No, God says bring everything. Everything. Did he say leave out a few things? He said no, everything. Folks, if we're going to see a move of the Spirit of God, we've got to bring God everything that we have, everything that we need. By the way, God is not sitting in heaven going, dear goodness, I hope nobody remembers my prayer, my, my word. 
He's not going, oh, man, if they remember that my word, they're going to tell me about my word, and I've got to do it. God's not doing that. Matter of fact, years ago, my brother, he has two boys, and they, they, were, they live in uh, Dallas, and they had become Texas Ranger fans. And they were sitting there, and they were watching the World Series. And uh, one of my sons turned to my brother and said, Dad, if the Rangers go to the World Series, will you take us? Well, at that point in time, the Texas Rangers hadn't had a winning season in over a decade. And so he was pretty sure, no problem, I'll take you. Fast forward, one son's married, the other son is in college, and the Rangers are going to the World Series. Just as soon as the final's out, final out and the Rangers are going to the World Series, his telephone starts ringing. He said, hey, he said, Dad, going to the World Series, right? He said, no, 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 no. You were little boys back then. They said, you didn't put a time limit on that promise. And he hung up the phone, and just as soon as he did, the other son come. Dad, we're going to the World Series. Well, son, you were only six back then. That's 12 years ago. And he he said, Dad, I don't remember you ever putting a time limit on it. He hung up the phone, and he looked over at my sister-in-law, and he said, Joy, you know what the boys called about? She said, yeah, you're taking on the World Series. <laughs> he said, well, that's a lot of money. She said, yeah, that bass boat you were uh, going to buy is now going to the World Series. <laughs> and sure enough, he bought tickets and didn't get a bass boat. Here's what I'm saying to you. God is not like my brother going, well, wait just a minute. That was 12 years ago. No, he's in heaven saying, declare to me my word. Remind me of my word. That's the reason you need to get into the word of God. Discover what God is saying for your life. And whenever you come to the Lord in prayer, bring your Bible and say, I want to remind you, God, of what your word says. Remember when Jesus was being tempted? Each temptation, he said, but the word of God says. My friend, if we're going to see the West Bank saved, if we're going to see Jefferson Parish turn their hearts toward God, he has got to use a church that is a praying church, a church that is crying out to the Lord. Now, I want to give you Quickly, and I know what time it is. It's 11.10, and I'm going to be finished soon. By the way, the saints are not playing right now, so don't worry about it. What is prayer? First of all, prayer is a place of sacrifice. Pastor Kathy led us so well today in the communion. It spoke of the sacrifice of Jesus. Prayer is a place of sacrifice. Listen to what Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25 says. Then he said to them all, If anyone desires to come after me, let him or her deny themselves. Take up their cross daily. Daily. Not Sunday morning. You take up your cross, I'm going to church. I'm finished church, I can watch the saints. I can do whatever I want. No, daily I pick up that cross and follow Jesus. And and he says, 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is to a man or woman if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? You could stand before God with all the money that Warren Buffett has and Berkshire Hathaway have. You could stand before God with everything that Jeff Bezos has from Amazon and his space mission. You could stand before God with everything Bill Gates has amassed because of Microsoft. But if you don't have Jesus, what does it profit you to gain the whole world, but you've lost your own soul? What is it profit if Jefferson Parish becomes the most prosperous parish in all of Louisiana, but no one gets saved? I would rather us enter heaven with empty pockets than to enter hell pulling a traitor of millions. I'm not saying God is calling us to have a poverty mentality, not at all. He didn't say that here. He said, but what does it profit a person if they literally gain everything in this world, whether it's notoriety, whether it's political uh, success, or whether it's financial success, but yet they have lost their own souls? Sacrifice. Prayer is a place of obedience. For revival to come, we must be obedient to God's will and to His Word. Right now, the Word of God is being attacked, even within the church, to try and say the Word of God is not relevant for today. My friends, the Word of God is the yes and the amen of heaven. It is what is spoken of by God, and it is what God is going to do. If we try to water down the Word of God, if we try to rationalize the Word of God, if we try to somehow make the Word of God what it is not, guess what? We're not going to be judged by Western culture. We're going to be held accountable for what the Word of God says. It says in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Prayer is a place of obedience. Father, I realize that I have particular wishes and desires, but it's not what I want. It's what you want. Was Jesus denying the prophetic scriptures when he said, Father, if it possible, would you allow this cup to be passed from me? Is it... Is it your will? No, Jesus knew the prophetic scriptures. He had also told his disciples what was going to happen in his life. But he was saying, Father, if this is not the time, if this is not the season, if this is not the way, would you stop it? But, he knew, he, but then he said, but Father, <laughs> it's not my will that matters. It's your will to be done. River Church, listen to me. If we're going to see revival... If we're going to see a sovereign move of God, we have to step back and say, Lord, not River Church's will, but God's will. God's will be done and we will be obedient to what you want to do. Third, 
Prayer is a place of warfare. Revival comes through a spiritual fight. Strongholds must be broken down. Strong spirits must be taken authority over. Daniel chapter 10, verse 12 through 14. Then he said to me, this is the angel speaking to Daniel. Do not fear, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the king of Persia, that spiritual uh, dark dynamic of the spiritual world had been fighting with the spiritual world of the kingdom of God. He said, I have literally been in a fight. I, but he said, oh, with the king of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. Chief princes came to help me, for I had been left alone then there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. In this passage of Scripture, we see that we are in a spiritual warfare. Paul said we do not war against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities of the air. That's the reason Paul said we must daily put on our armor. One of the things that happens when disasters take place, pastors who are right in the middle of it and right in the thick of it are out there working, 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 working. Their people are working, 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 working. And I will sit down with pastors. I did this in Waverly. I did this in Lake Charles. And I will ask them a series of five question, questions. One of those questions I ask them, are you putting on your armament every day? Are you putting on your spiritual armor every day? And are you taking the sword of the Spirit every day? They will look at me and say, no, I haven't. Thus, the answer to the next four questions explains why they have been doing things that they would never have done. Why they have made decisions that they would have never made two months before. Why their marriages are suffering. Why their church is struggling. And I will help them once again begin to understand the principle they had to put on that full armor of God. If not, they're going to face you want to call it spiritual burnout, if you want to call it burning the candle at both ends. And I believe it even goes to the point of post-traumatic stress in the ministry. My friends, every day you live, you need to get up in the morning before you ever do anything and put on the armor of God. If you need to find that scripture and write it out, act it out, I encourage you to do so. Because we cannot stand against the power of the enemy of this world without the full armor of God. For revival to come, we have to be soldiers of the Lord. We have to be fully prepared to do battle for the West Bank, to do battle for Jefferson Parish, to do battle for the New Orleans area. We have to be spiritually prepared and our armor must be on. Prayer is a place of petition. 
God is the authority who has the answer. And I'm coming to God with my prayers. I'm coming to God with, for the answer to my prayer. Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. Then Elijah went to the mountain three years later and had a confrontation with Baal and all of his prophets and God proved himself. But rain still hadn't come. He said, Elijah went up to the mountain, bowed his head in between his knees and petitioned God for rain. Seven times he prayed. On the seventh time, there was a cloud the size of a man's fist coming over the horizon. He said, that's all we need to know. God's getting ready to do it. My friends, listen to me. We must begin to petition God. Petition God for God to move at West Jeff High School. Higgins High School. Eric Shaw. Petition God to move at Rivard. Petition God to move in the, in the jails. Petition God to touch people on those tugboats. Petition God to minister to people and touch people out on the rigs. Petition God to those who are the commercial fishermen. Petition God to those who ride up and down the West Bank Expressway. Those who go up and down Lapalco. Petition God. My friends, I believe God can change this culture. I don't know if you, about you, but I'm sick and tired of Marsha calling Kathy and hearing I'm having to go to tell someone there's a death in their family because of violence. I'm sick and tired of hearing we're having to go to a dumb homicide or a suicide. Folks, these are spiritual warfare issues. We need to begin to cry out to God and say, God, as I ride up and down Ames Boulevard, as I go up and down Barataria, as I go up and down my own city streets, as I go in my own neighborhood, I proclaim this city, I proclaim this street as a place where God dwells, not where the enemy dwells. And I take authority over the gunshots. I take authority over the knivings. I take authority over the drugs. I take authority over those things that Jesus... Jesus Christ says, are a abomination to my culture. Folks, we got to start doing warfare and petitioning God. Prayer is a place of travailing, and I'll be finished here quickly. Prayer is a place of travailing. You know, the average American Christian prays five minutes a week. Folks, that's saying God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food seven times, times three, and that's it. Folks, that's not travailing. That's not even tipping God. We've got to start getting alone with God and crying out to God and travailing before God. Do you realize when Jesus was in the garden, His travailing became so intense that it's as if He were uh, sweating great drops of blood off of his body. Revival doesn't come at a set time. 
It comes when the Spirit of God begins to move. And the Spirit of God begins to move when people begin to travail. I love the story of the day of Pentecost. Back up 10 days. 500 people watched Jesus ascend into heaven. 500 people heard Jesus say, go back into Jerusalem and wait there. How many were there? 120. What happened to the 380? What happened to the other 380? They missed the first great move of the Spirit of the church. Church, we must begin to travail and cry out to God. And finally, prayer is a place of waiting. Let's not run ahead of God. Let's wait and see what God does. Convoy of Hope has been in existence 26 years. We grew from the back of a pickup truck, just ministering to a poor community in Oakland, California, to now we have over 40 semi-tractor trailers, disaster response vehicles that crisscross America. And we've gone from Oakland, California to literally around the world. You know why? We wait on God and follow the miracles. God wants to do something on the West Bank. Now, God doesn't want to set idle, but He wants us at times to wait on Him. And waiting in prayer for Him to begin to move by His Spirit. Waiting in prayer. And then whenever God begins to move by His Holy Spirit, just like He did on the day of Pentecost. You realize on the day of Pentecost, after the move of the Spirit, they just didn't sit around and go, well, what are we going to do now? They immediately got up with the power of the Holy Spirit and said, now we're going to reach our Jerusalem. Now we're going to touch our Judea. Now we're going to touch our Samaria. None of us. If we walk in the Spirit, can ever leave the presence of God. But if we walk in the flesh, God says, I have to let you do it your own way. River Church, please don't do it your way. Do it God's way. River Church, don't be satisfied with what's here. Say, Lord, until the West Bank's saved, we will not be satisfied. Start petitioning God that every Sunday from this time forward, Pastor Robert will give the opportunity, Pastor Kathy will give the opportunity, and someone will be saved. Start petitioning God. Lord, I stand against, if you know where a drug house is, I stand against that drug house. I stand against the very power of Satan that is influencing people to sell those drugs or to buy those drugs. I'm telling you this because Marsh and I have stood against brothels. We have stood against other 
areas within our city and we watched God close them down one by one. And we watched people that were there come into our church saved by the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember one Sunday, I was standing and we had been proclaiming, did not know who lived there, but we knew in our community that it was a drug house. We had stood against it. And that Sunday morning I preached, gave the opportunity for people to, to give their life to the Lord. That time it wasn't COVID related, so people could get up and come to the altar. And I invited people to come and a man stood up that I'd never seen and he walked and he stood right in front of me where I was on the platform. And after all the people had come and were praying with people to see the Lord, I just stepped down. This man is the man who owned that house. That was one of the major drug dealers within our city. There he stood and gave his life to Jesus Christ. I looked at him and I said, what brought you here today? I was thinking somebody may have invited him. He said, I don't know. When I was 16, I swore that I would never step my foot inside a church door ever again. He said, but this morning I got up. He said, I was driving down the road and all of a sudden, he said, I can't explain it. My car turned into 605 South College Avenue. And he said, I looked up and there's this church. He said, I didn't understand. But I felt like there was something greater than me happening. I turned, it, turned the car off and came in. And he said, I don't know what it was, but there was something that was like he was tapping on my shoulder going, that's you, that's you. That you and when you gave the opportunity for people to get saved, he said, he said, that's you. That was the Spirit of God, folks. That got him up out of his bed, that got him in his car, that brought him to the church, that sat there with him. Folks, start praying, start petitioning God, start seeking after God for people to be saved, for lives to be changed. Father. I thank you for this church. Lord, the hundreds, if not thousands, they have literally ministered to just in those last two years as they have given out COVID supplies of food and recently individuals that have come through here and they've given out Ida relief. Lord, the seeds they sow as they have done their truck or treat. Father, the ministry into the jails and rebarred. Father, I'm reminding you of your word. You told us that if we sow seeds, if we water those seeds, you told us you will give the growth. Now, Lord, I'm petitioning you for the West Bank to be saved. 
you gave your son so that none should perish but all would come to that place of repentance Holy Spirit just as you did on the day of Pentecost and that wind of the Spirit began to blow within that upper room would you allow the wind of your Spirit to begin to blow across the West Bank and would you start right here at River Church Father let us become a people of prayer not just a people of a church but people of prayer with your heads bowed my friends if you don't have Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior this is your day of salvation this is your moment to ask God to come and set you free from your sin this is your moment to say Jesus would you come into my life with your heads bowed you and sitting here if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus or you know that you have not been walking with Jesus as you should and you need to get things right with God I want you to slip your hand up right now and put it right back down you say I need to get some things right between me and God praise the Lord there are about nine people that raised their hands in this room I know if you've been here any length of time Pastor Robert, Pastor Kathy have shared with you how to know Jesus Christ and in that it is asking Jesus to come become the personal Lord and Savior of your life and in that is saying Lord not only do I confess but I repent meaning I make a 180 degree turn from the things that I'm doing opposite of your word Lord to doing the things that are pleasing to your word I'm going to ask all those who raise your hand everyone here to join me in this prayer of confession folks I can't help you the repentance that's between you and the Holy Spirit and God and your walk with the Lord and Pastor Robert and Pastor Kathy discipling you and other leaders in this church discipling you but would you pray along with me right now Lord Jesus you died on the cross for me you gave your life as a sacrifice for me you were placed in that borrowed tomb but you came alive three days later and you're sitting at the right hand of the Father right now interceding for me and I ask you forgive me of my sins come into my life change me transform me to be the man or woman of God that you want me to be in Jesus name would you stand to your feet all over this place every one of you and just lift your hands toward heaven and say Lord teach me to pray Come on with your own words. Talk to God right now and say, Lord, I don't want to be a five-minute-a-week prayer person. I want to be a man. I want to be a woman that every day I'm finding time to get along with you and cry out to you and seek after you. And whenever Pastor Robert and Pastor Kathy open this church for a time of prayer, we're going to be here praying together. We're going to be here petitioning God. We're going to be here seeking the Lord. When I drive up, down, drive up and down the streets of my community, I am going to 
declare the peace of God over my street. I'm going to declare the peace of God over my community. I'm going to declare the peace of God as I drive by an elementary school, as I drive by a daycare, as I drive by a, a middle school, as I drive by a high school. I'm going to declare the peace of God over those, over those schools. And I'm going to speak that Uh, weapons will not be brought in there drugs will not be brought in there I'm going to speak when I see homes that I know are are selling drugs or doing other things I'm going to speak and say Lord instead of drugs I'm praying for a move of your spirit for a move of your spirit Father God bring revival to the West Bank bring a move of your Holy Spirit to the West Bank. Let us be people of prayer. Revive us again, O Lord. Revive us again, O Lord. Father, we praise you. Father, we praise you. Come on, church. I'm going to stop praying. I want you to lift your voice and begin to pray. You lift your voice and begin to pray for your own community. You lift your voice and begin to pray for your own neighborhood, for your own business. You lift your voice and begin to pray for your children and grandchildren. Lift your voice right now toward heaven. Side to side, we praise you, Lord. 
share with you one last thing before Pastor Robert comes back. Most of you know that much of the drugs that are brought through, brought to America, come through South America, Colombia, particularly Colombia. The Church of Colombia, Venezuela, and Brazil, right there along that three country border, about four years ago began to petition God. They knew how the amount of drugs that were coming through that region were affecting much of Central and South America and America, United States. They began to petition God. The cocoa farmers are getting saved. The nation of, of Colombia contacted Convoy of Hope and said, you have an agricultural program. Would you come into Colombia and train our farmers how to grow stuff other than cocoa? So they'll be sustainable. Their communities will flourish. Convoy of Hope started this year training farmers how to just burn down their fields of coca plants and how to start growing sustainable crops. You're talking about putting a major stop to drugs? Let's get the farmers saved. Let's teach them then how to sin no more. That's exactly what Convoy's doing. Folks, when the drug dealers get saved, we need to be prepared to teach them how to sin no more. When the gangbangers get saved, we need to teach them how to sin no more. Let's not hold them at a distance. Let's embrace them with the love of Jesus Christ. When the prostitute gets saved and say, go sin no more, let's bring her under our arms, him or her under our arms, and say, let us teach you. God's able, folks, but the church has got to be ready. Amen? Thank you for allowing me to come. God bless. Amen. Give another round of applause to God. I mean, that was, that was awesome. Band's going to come forward. We're going to close out with a song. I want to encourage you, though, uh, make sure you fill out your connection cards. We'll have an usher at each door, and uh, you can